0: The new year is upon us, Metal fans. And the first thing you might want to do is start looking at the new streaming events that are coming out for fans. The one I want to tell you about, Killswitch Engage, is to rebroadcast their live at the Palladium streaming event for its fans Friday, January 14th. Guys, if you purchase tickets from the previous stream, you can rewatch it for free, guys. But make sure you're watching the Killswitch Engage rebroadcast live at the Palladium streaming event this January 14th, before they jump back on tour January 28th in North America with August Burns Red and Light the Torch. once One more time, guys, Metal Blade fans out there. Killswitch Engage is rebroadcasting the Live at the Palladium streaming event for its fans Friday, January 14th. For tickets and information, go to MetalBlade.com, guys. Make sure you're picking up Live at the Palladium, Killswitch Engage. Streaming event, Friday, January 14th.
1: This is the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Peter
0: Speich, Brandon Hahn, and Sylvia Alvarado. Metal Sucks Podcast. What is going on? Happy, happy new year to all of you out there. In 2022. I am your host, Petra Spych. I am always joined by
2: Brandon Hahn. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at your buddy
0: And make sure to follow our other two co hosts. First, you got Jocelyn Sharp. That's J O Z A L Y N Sharp. It's at Joslyn Sharp on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Wizard of Jaws on TikTok. And then next, of course, don't forget Sylvia Alvarado. That is at It's the Sylvia. On Twitter and Instagram, give both those wonderful ladies a follow. If you guys want to follow me, I am at our other podcast handle. That is at Rise to Offend on Facebook and Twitter, Rise to Offend Official on Instagram. This week, guys, first episode of the year. Always want to do the album we are most excited about getting this year, and the album I am most excited about to get is the latest. From Venom Prison It is coming out February 4th That album is called Erebus And luckily I am going to chat with Larissa About that album in a little bit of time here But before we do that Let's chat about a little bit of the news stories We got this last week On the Metal Sucks News
1: It's a failed education we're giving you Manipulating facts with opinions we got you in the palm of our hands. Puting you to hate is part of the plan. So thanks for the power you gifted us. We're worthy of your mind and all of your trust. Die for our cause, you'll never regret it. It's Metal Sucks News. Prepare for your lesson. We'll take good care of your soul. You'll be safe under our control. All
0: right. It's not a lot going on. Obviously, holidays are going on everywhere across uh, the states over here in, in the world, and uh, not a ton of news stories. So me and Brandon, we're going to talk a little bit about our thoughts on 2022. But one new story we did want to touch base on before we move into our conversation is, um, and I don't know when it came out, because I'll be honest with you, I have not turned on my computer. I've been on vacation since the 22nd of December. I have not turned on my computer or checked any kind of media whatsoever. Until today, (laughs) so it's like I'm, I'm like I don't want nothing to do with that ugly digital world. I'm gonna live in my happy place with my kids and my family. It's been a beautiful time, but my point is is that uh, so I I didn't check a lot of the news stories as we're going, but one that I had to talk about was Sammy Hagar, the legend if i may sammy hagar the guy that was on for unlawful carnal knowledge the greatest van halen record <laughs> for the people of the 90s <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah yeah right yeah no shit right hey now? if you're
0: if you're a dude from the 90s that's that's your van halen record I, and i'll say that anyways he stated that well, he, if
2: you never heard 1984 yeah sure you know
0: yeah no i'm saying if you're 13 when that shit came out that's your van halen record. oh yeah it's just be honest. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. a great record but, um, anyways, uh, Sammy Hagar said he was asked to replace Phil Anselmo in Pantera. Now, I want to talk about this. What are your first, first, your gut reaction to that comment, Sammy Hagar replacing the mighty Phil Anselmo?
2: I'm. I think I'm going to quote Shakespeare when I say, "What the fuck?" That's
0: not Shakespeare.
2: Uh, uh, oh, okay. I thought maybe. Um, yeah, that would be. <laughs> I I just can't see Dime doing I can't drive 55. I just can't. You know that would just be a that would just be a, a weird weird combination. I mean, it's like Phil and with Tara. That's like the perfect frontman. And I'm not saying Sammy Hagar isn't the perfect frontman for his band and Van Halen in the '90s, but Pantera. There's just no way that would have worked.
0: Now he replaced David Lee Roth, which is just as left field to me. As Phil Anselmo. And they found, uh, you know, obviously the sound changed completely. And I think Pantera's sound would have changed completely, but they found a larger audience than they had before because of Sammy Hagar. I feel this would yeah. have. Go
2: ahead. No, uh, I don't agree with that because okay. at the time, Sammy Hagar was a huge rock and roll in his own, a huge no. rock star in his own right. And Van Halen was Van Halen already. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I think the fact that the two of them met. And put out some really good music is exactly what worked for the Van Hagar area. I mean, it's like you, you know, it was a, it was like the first Avengers almost, you know, but the
0: the Vantara era could have been the same, right? Or Vantara. His name is Sammy Hagar. I love that. <laughs> that doesn't work. Vantara. I, I took the Van Halen part. He's like, Sammy Hagar. That Sammy Hagar, area. like I said, it could have changed because, dude, replacing David Lee Roth was like an impossible task. And, yes, they found right. somebody with a namesake. So there was a built-in audience. I agree with that. Um, that would have been the same deal here with Pantera, Right. To see, to see, to to imagine a cover version of Sammy Hagar doing fucking hostile cringes me a little bit. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> but, but I feel like Sammy Hagar has proven he can almost do anything and get away with
2: and, it. And I'm almost of mine. I'm of mine where it's like, yeah, it, it's cringeworthy when you think about it. But now I'm like, where? why haven't we heard that yet? Why hasn't every single lead singer done fucking hostile? I think that should be the new cover song you know like you know how they over they always cover jeff buckley's hallelujah not jeff buckley's Hallelujah. is it jeff buckley's hallelujah i don't know that right well everybody's it's been covered so many fucking times it's like why can't fucking hostile be that song now
0: that's a good point i, I that's actually it's not a good point i don't i don't i don't agree with that that was sarcasm
2: no i want it
0: <laughs> what what okay what pantera classic pantera song do you think sammy hagar obviously fucking hostile is probably not the one which one do you think he would nail though which one do you like uh, classic we're talking about obviously let's just go off the first three records
2: i mean i i think walk is just a you know it's an easy song for uh i mean there's not a lot of it's just a lot of barking so it's like i could think walk would probably be the better one even though phil nails that song so hard i just it's hard to think of anybody else doing it and doing it respect hmm that's the thing. It's like I have Pantera when I was a child. It's like they, I have such a, I have so so much love for that band that it's just again, it's just so hard to like mm-hmm. imagining somebody else do Heath Ledger's Joker in that Batman movie. Like could could somebody have done a just as good of a job? I don't know. It just seemed like such a perfect performance. Someone else doing Forrest Gump. You know what I mean? It's just.
0: Good point. No, no. I think he would nail Cowboys from Hell. I think the later we get into the albums, it's tougher for Hagar. Cowboys from
2: Hell. I I can see this love,
0: maybe. You know, I can see that. But like.
2: Cowboys from Hell, you could tell. You could hear the early Van Halen influence with Cowboys from Hell. So yeah, Sammy would be able to do that. Walk would sound fine,
0: but like that has got so much of Phil's like piss and vinegar. Lyrically yeah. and, and just like the attitude that I don't I don't feel I I, I don't know if I ever told you this but I, I saw Godsmack years ago at the House of Blues and Vinny and Dime came out and they did Walk with Sully Erna singing it they came out on stage it was actually really fucking cool I'm glad I, I shared that moment but um because I'm not a huge Godsmack fan I actually I think Soulfly opened for him so I went to see and I hung out and they were fantastic live even though I'm not a big fan but Vinny and Dime came out and did did Walk and it was like too fun. You know, I'm like, what do you say? There's a little bit of an attitude that it's like you need in that song that was missing from that cover version, even though you had the the Abbott brothers on stage. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know if Sammy's yeah. got that. He's too laid back for me.
2: Right, right, right. You know? I got you. That's
0: the one thing him and David Lee Roth shared was this kind of laid back rock and roll persona. Phil Anselmo doesn't really have that, bro. You know, and that's why right. that that's a tougher sell for me. But anyways. Enough on that story. Next thing we want to talk about, guys, before we jump into our little 2022 conversation, whatever wherever that goes, is that um, a lot of bands are announcing records coming out, right? Major acts are saying, hey, we're dropping some in 2022. We got a shit ton of records at the tail end of 2021. When we did our best of episode, I was like, dude, I, I mean, I got 30 new records that are from amazing bands. But in 2022, two bands that have already said that they're going to finish up albums or release them. Slipknot and Avenged Sevenfold, and those are—I mean—as far as stadium-level bands of an era, Those are uh, two, two of uh, two of the five that maybe heavy metal and hard rock got that aren't you know old school established-wise. Which, uh, out of out of curiosity, which album are you more excited to hear—the new Avenged Sevenfold or the new Slipknot? Now we're clearly more just just so everybody knows out there, we are bigger fans of Slipknot. But it's been a long time since Avenged Sevenfold put out a record, and their last record was probably the best thing they've ever done. So, what are your what is your take on this?
2: Yeah, I'd have to say I'm a little more interested in Avenged Sevenfold, and and it's not that it gets Slipknot. It's just that Corey does put out so much content, you know, and it's like, and it just seems like Slipknot's always out there, and Avenged Sevenfold they, uh, you know, they're a little bit more under wraps. You know, like, remember when you and I were talking about uh, rock stars having some anonymity to them? You know, that's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit of mystique to Avenge Sevenfold. And plus two, plus, too, I mean, they're following up the stage. It's like, you know, they're, they're riding a good wave. So I'm definitely interested.
0: They are. And they're more of a wild card. They can throw a misfire out there, like you know, like Hail to the King or something, they can throw a misfire out there that we could be like, oh, this is bad. Where Slipknot... Everybody can. You know, well, Slipknot's been... We can give them consistency. I mean, I don't know if they... Here's the thing. They've been consistent for sure. I don't know if they're still as interesting as they were. And I know people are going to be like, whoa. I, I don't feel the last two records they put out, I liked them a lot, and I thought they were really good, and these guys know how to write Slipknot songs. But how interesting were they to me? That I'm not too you know, I'm on the fence of it. Like you said, there's a lot of content. There's a lot of promotion going on for those guys. And there, there is a point where you get the new Metallica record and you're like, Hey, it's Metallica. It's cool. I enjoy it. Or like there, a new Megadeth records coming out. Right. The excitement level for me isn't through the roof, but I think Avenged sevenfold might still throw something out there that I either hate or, uh, I'm going to be like, wow, this is super impressive. So I'm, I'm on the, I'm with you. I'm more excited about the Avenged sevenfold record, than I am uh, the Slipknot record, and we'll see how it comes, man. You know, I I still think that Slipknot have a potential like album of the year. Bam, just drop a record that's going to blow us all away. I, I I just don't know why I don't feel the timing is going to be now for some reason. I'm I'm a little bit like eh about it, which I don't know why. I have no reason. I don't know. It. The
2: last the maybe last because of Corey Taylor's
0: solo record. I was so like. And to me, I just didn't, it was just bad. It was just, for, for my style of music and for where he's coming from with Stone Sour, really peaking before he threw them out on hiatus and Slipknot being really consistent, that record really left a kind of a bad taste in my mouth. I know other fans liked it a lot. I got emails from people that thought it was really good, but I don't know. Maybe that's why I'm kind of like, eh, about it.
2: Yeah, I didn't think the record was bad. It's mm. just, again, it's just so much, you know, yeah. thrown in your face.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. So with that, those are a couple of the news stories, guys. You guys tell us which record you're more excited about, the new Slipknot or the new Venge Sevenfold. I already know what I'm going to get from the email, so thanks. You guys send the email over rise offend at gmail.com. Before we jump into our interview, guys, with Larissa, though, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, 2021, 2022, man, before we jump into uh, promoting the, the latest from Venom Prism, Aerobus. It's coming out February 4th, dude. So 2021, all in a nutshell, man. We've been talking about this new normal since March of 2020, since the pandemic happened. And I feel like uh, as far as my life and my perspective, I'm, the new normal's been here and everything's kind of back to whatever the new normal is for me. I'm not having too many challenges anymore with uh, what I'm supposed to do as a citizen and moving on and stuff like that. But I feel like we're not on the same level. So there's still a lot of that rolling into 2022, but me mentally, I'm kind of like, all right, this is life now, and I have no quarrels or problems with it. So I kind of have this really, really positive attitude rolling into 2022. Where, where are you feeling at, and, and how's your experience? Do you think it's just going to get a little more fucked up and muddled as we go, or do you think, hey, the worst is behind us, and we're, we're all right, we're figured this out?
2: Man, there's always going to be something good on the horizon and something bad on the horizon. And what I've come to realize is the more you try to manifest bullshit, the more you try to control and have expectations on things, the more you just ruin your own life. So for me, as far as wondering if it's going to get better, if it's going to get worse, it's kind of like I've always I'm just kind of seeing this balance take place, you know, and it's up to us on whether we could decide if it's gonna be better or worse. I mean, some people love the pandemic. Some people love staying home. Some people are so happy that things are now, uh, more things are now readily available online than there's ever been. You know, services and things of that nature. You know, now you don't have to leave your house. And for a lot of other people though, I mean, they're still upset about the the guidelines and all that other stuff. So it's so hard to pick You know, it just depends on what part of the world you're from, if you think it's going to be good or bad. And I don't know. I think it's going to be I think it's just going to I think restrictions and things of those. I mean, eventually they're going to ease up as we continue and eventually things are going to get back to 100 percent normal. But I don't even know what normal is.
0: Yeah, I do like the point that you brought up <laughs> as far as like our region where we're at. We're in the States. We live in Las Vegas, Nevada, for people that don't know. And um, you know, that's the one thing I did I did not like about the change is that people prefer transactions over customer service. Customer service has been dead and gone for a minute and it's like let's just get this transaction moved on, let people drop food off in front of our doors and go away. I don't wanna see them. And I think we've really gone accustomed to almost not wanting any kind of communication from those that we don't feel safe about. Um, And I think that, that by, you know, shopping and doing the regular things that we did, we felt more like a community instead of this, uh, you know, kind of closed off place. Our homes uh, seem to be becoming more and more. And I don't know. That's the one thing I'm not, I'm still forcing, you know, the customer service, even though I'm not talking about business wise, I'm just saying in general, to see people and be in those environments. I'm still kind of forcing that upon myself. And cause I, I don't, even though, even though the transaction is all that people care about nowadays and, and then s- getting some sort of survey out there, that's good. <laughs> you know, I get hit up with a lot of surveys is my point. And, uh, and I give people perfect surveys on everything. Cause Hey, you know, it's not about that. It's yeah, just, uh, I'm, I'm a very, I'm I like, here, you know, I don't give a shit. If my experience was bad, I'll give you a good survey, move on. I don't really care. That's not the point. Those are taking place of actual customer service. And we're not teaching that. And and in essence, as as long as it's quick and convenient, and we move on, it seems like the majority of us are really, really uh, good with that. And that's the one thing I don't like that I've noticed more and more. Um, If there is an issue, people don't care. Um, It's just like figure it out yourself. And that's something I think is going to roll into modern culture. I really think so, right I, th- I think I think the majority of the future just wants the transaction done and moving on they don 't really care about the human experience you know I, and, and that 's something like growing up, going to video stores or record stores. you would talk to the person behind the counter, get recommendations, come friendly with them and or your' mechanic or there 's a lot of things like that that 's what kept the small businesses rolling and made them matter more when the hey walmart 's coming to town, and our prices are cheaper. the relationships would kept that going. And I overwhelmingly keep seeing that people give zero shits about that relationship, and they just want the the cheaper items. And that's where yeah. I I feel I feel like that's a real negative to us um, as a culture and as as a as an economy and as a commerce. You know, um, we're capitalistic, so we all want to make money. And when you're making money off of spreadsheets and numbers and not human beings, then you don't really have that human element. You don't really care how much you're charging. You're right. just looking at the money go up. And that 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 I think is gonna be something that's gonna be really challenging um, after this pandemic for us to bounce back from, or we don't bounce back. You know, that's right. that's my doomsay that I've learned from uh, from the last couple of years. But I, I I also feel like the family structure and people that are close to one another, I think they realize how important those people are, and that they're always gonna keep their circle a lot a lot tighter. And, you know, maybe treat them a lot better than we used to in the past. People aren't as expendable as they used to be, I feel. Um, But that's again, maybe that's just my world. Do you feel that or do you feel it's gone the opposite? I've I've had somebody tell me that it's gone the opposite in their opinion.
2: Well, I feel that that comes with age. I mean, at 42 years old, that's, you know, you you've lost a lot of friends and then you're cutting yourself off to a lot of people that you No, you shouldn't bring into your world you know so you're protecting the ones that are close to you and you're also kind of just understanding personalities and how they mesh with you and and yeah you do shut yourself off to a lot more just i I think out of fight or flight almost you know it's just experience
0: well you have to shut yourself off too because our world is such a fast-moving media world and we have this device in our pocket you have to learn to shut yourself off and and experience solitude, I think, for sanity. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know. So I think shutting yourself off, which I don't feel like really was a part of life for a long time. I think that's a necess- necessity for us to to move forward together. You know, it's be like, all right, well, I'm not going to react to that. I'm going to walk away. I think I think we collectively have to learn how to walk away from from many things. Um, and we haven't yet. I mean, I think, uh, I, right. think uh, I think the, the silent majority, you know, has that doesn't participate in a lot of that stuff, but I'm talking about like the overwhelming negative vibe that we get, um, from the pandemic. I think, I think that's really what's, what's been tough. But I mean, you know, I'm all positive about 2022, man. I feel like a lot of people are going to just stop fighting, stop digging their heels in. Um, work. A lot of us are going to move forward, uh, prosper, be good. And then those that, Unfortunately, want to be left behind for whatever principle or whatever means they want to. Unfortunately, they're going to be maybe ten steps behind instead of five. You know, and and that disparity is always sad to see. You know, but um, everybody's got to take their own journey, man. So I, I'm I'm in no way gonna be convincing to tell people what to do, how to live, or or how to think. But I'll, I'll just never you know, step over them in order to get ahead. And that's just the way it's always been, I think, in a lot of ways. But um, yeah, so I'm all positive, man. As far as, uh, obviously, music, I can't wait. I think 2021, the last six months of it especially, was overwhelming with amazing stuff. And the first half, you know, really, really good. But I think 2022, we're going to have, I think, an amazing first half. (laughs) because i think everybody was ready dude i think the first six months we're gonna have just a ton of shit it's gonna be exciting i can't wait to talk to bands about it um i see the tours are still kind of in the same situation they were in the fall where some are gonna get canceled some people are gonna get sick and stuff like that i think next year a lot of people are just not gonna do fall tours during the winter time because it seems like that is the bad time to do it but we're learning as we go and uh, as long as tours keep going we're all going in the positive direction i think that's Kind of where we're at, man. Uh, Do you have anything you want to add to the future, to the next year? Anything, twenty twenty two? Hey,
2: you know, again, I think you kind of nailed it where it's like, you know, uh, I personally don't think it's a good idea to openly criticize anyone now because you're just going to hurt your own cause and you're just going to bring a lot more heat on you. So I think think more and more people are realizing that, hopefully. And, um, you know... I, I think that's pretty much the number one way the world a better place is just kind of understand that everybody comes from a different walk of life. And what what your solution is might not necessarily work for them. And you you have to respect that. And, and if you do learn how to respect that, your life is going to go better.
0: Yeah. No, I'm with you, man. Words don't matter. I've I said that last year. W- words stop mattering. Actions are... Uh, what you do is really what speaks the loudest, and it's it's always felt like it was that way. But a lot of years yeah. through my life, it was like people can sell, sell, sell. Well, you can't sell now. You got to deliver. Uh, transactions, right. no customer service, <laughs> no more sales, man. Right. Just show me, show me the goods, and that's. Uh, I think that's not a bad future, accountability, but right. you never know. Like you said, overcorrection always causes issues. But with that, guys, let's jump into what we're here to do: talk, celebrate music. The record I'm most excited about in the first half of the year, obviously, Aerobus Venom Prison. Let's jump into my interview right now with Larissa. Hey everybody, what's going on? Petter, Metal Sucks Podcast on the phone. I have Larissa from Venom Prison. We are here to talk about the new record, Aerobus, which is coming out February 4th. Now it's been it's been quite a a year and a half for many artists and musicians. How have you done this last year and a half so far? Um, getting ready for this new record and all those things?
3: It was very challenging, I'm not going (laughs) to lie. So we basically started writing the album uh, late 2019, and we weren't able to write it like we usually write at all because we weren't allowed to meet each other, we all live in different p- parts of the UK. So we had to basically record everything ourselves, send it to another person, then send it back to another person and then everyone would just add their parts to it. So it was really, really challenging for us, um, especially for me because I just had to demo vocals at home in my, um, in my home office. <laughs> and um, yeah. And especially preparing ourselves to record and having to basically split the recording process in four different parts because the lockdowns just kept interrupting um, the recording. So it, it's, it's been very, very different for us uh, writing this album this time around.
0: When did you guys finally, because uh, a lot of the, the, the bad part is exactly what you said, and a lot of musicians went through that. I, I guess the good part is it seems like there wasn't really deadlines for bands. Did you guys have a hard deadline for this record? Or because of the circumstance, you really had to just wait till it was you were completely happy with it?
3: Yeah, we didn't have a deadline set in place. So for us, it was luckily just getting on with it until we think it's ready to be recorded so uh we were really really lucky in that regard and we were able to basically utilize the free time that we had that where we couldn't tour and play shows to just be creative and put as much time and energy into this record as we possibly could
0: and that's a huge positive because a lot of times it's it's multitasking right What track do you remember finally being comfortable uh, at the home studio, if I may, singing on on this new record?
3: Oh, God. Um, That's a very good question. (laughs) Um, I guess I felt the most comfortable with a song called Nemesis. Mm. Um, And it was just a really personal one. I was able to To put some really cool hooks into the song, and um, I just felt really, really comfortable uh, recording that one, uh, for sure.
0: Nice. And now, when uh, a lot of times when bands are recording new music and recording new records, they don't listen to music. Um, Are you kind of like that kind of artist, or do you still listen to albums while creating?
3: Personally, I'm not able to to do that at all. Mm -hmm. I just focus on our music at, at that time. And uh, people have been asking me what, like, my favorite albums were this year or last year. And I just can't, can't really tell you because I've not really listened to as much music. When I listen to music while we're writing and recording, it's mostly non-heavy music. So um, that, that's just to put my mind at ease and maybe to feel inspired by something other than, than metal, if that makes sense.
0: Absolutely. It makes, I think, the energy you're bringing authentic because uh, it's not something that you're listening to on the regular. You see what I'm saying? I think that's a very positive thing. And that is funny. Now, when when you first started the band a long time ago, did you learn that, hey, I can't listen to other bands while recording because it ha- had a negative effect in you in any way?
3: Um. I wouldn't really say it's been like that. It's Mm. just, I just can't focus on anything else. I don't find anything else interesting in that moment. Mm. And it it wasn't like it was really interrupting or something, but I just didn't feel the need to listen to other music of the, of the same kind of that makes sense.
0: No, absolutely. Yeah. Now the touring thing is something that obviously affected a lot of bands in a lot of ways. Um, um, and I'm not positive, when was the last time that you guys played a live show? Did you guys come back yet uh, to, to perform?
3: We played one show this year. Mm. <laughs> it was Bloodstock Festival. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, it's one of my favorite metal festivals here in the UK. And uh, we played the main stage. And it, um, it was so weird. <laughs> just traveling to the show uh, on its own just felt so strange, even though this is something that you're so used to doing, um, because you've been doing it for years. It it was a very strange, and different feeling being around so many people again. And as, as soon as you arrived at the festival, Everything felt normal, and it's as if you've never really been away <laughs> so um it was it was really, really fun. and before that, I think we haven't played any shows in around nineteen months.
0: Wow, yeah, and that's I mean, was it I, I the excitement, I'm sure, and that's something we all took for granted. I've said that many times on the show is that I always I never thought I wouldn't be able to see the bands when they came to town, and then obviously. A lot of us dealt with that. Now, was it like when you got back on stage, were you like ready or were you scared? Was there new emotions, new feelings because it's been 19 months since you actually got to perform?
3: Yeah, I was definitely more nervous than usually. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I felt nervous. And we also had this, uh, this fire and fireworks going on on stage. So that's something we've never done before. So being able to to try out something new like this that we've never tried before and not having played a show in so long, I think that definitely um, played on everyone's nerves on that day.
0: <laughs> and, and people, if you haven't checked it out, it, there is a video of the performance, if I'm not mistaken, on YouTube, and the pyro starts right when the first track hits uh, and the, the flames fly up. Now now that you've had pyro, do you need it on every show? Because it was awesome for me looking at it on the, on the, on the TV. So
3: um it was a, it was really cool. I really enjoyed having the fire there. Obviously we're not going to be able to have it in small venues. No. No. But every time we get to hit a bigger stage um and where it's possible we we would love to to bring that with us because um it's it's very very different. It gives you a different energy on stage, I would say. The only thing I didn't like is the fact that I wasn't able to get closer to the audience, um, obviously because of um, safety restrictions and uh, things like that. So we'd need to figure out something where we have clues, where people know that I might go into um, the, the audience area and stuff like that. So that's definitely something I really missed that day.
0: Yeah, and Bloodstock was, if I'm not mistaken, it, like, it was in July of 2021 this year, right? Or is it was it earlier than that?
3: It was August.
0: August, okay. So that was one of, that's like around the first time festivals were um, back in play. So it was one of the testing type of grounds for a lot of people on the festival circuit. Was there precautions that you guys had to take in order to perform um, at that show? Or was it kind of like you said, we just return to form and let's see what happens?
3: Um, we needed to, um, the day before, or on the day, we needed to present negative tests. Mm. So we had these rapid tests that we needed to present, and everyone had to do it, even if you were vaccinated or not vaccinated. And um, in order to to being able to play, obviously, when we were practicing, we were trying to stay away from public places as much as possible. We used to uh, test ourselves in the morning before we would travel to practice together, just to make sure that everyone is healthy and that nothing is compromised. And um, that was really, really important for us because a lot of bands uh, had to cancel because they had COVID cases in their crew.
0: Yeah. And that seems to be the new kind of normal, I think, for touring and the fan base as well. Um, and and I think it's a, anything we got to do to come together and have these important things is, is very important to me. So I'm all about it. Um, from your perspective, is it much more difficult to book tours or do any kind of planning in the future for the band? Because there is all those avenues that you have to deal with right now.
3: Um, I do think that we're all still getting used to this new normal. Mm. Um, For us in the UK as well, um, because of Brexit, there's some other restrictions that we have if we want to go to Europe and and play shows there. So everyone is kind of getting used to all these new rules. And I do think the further we progress um, or the more time goes by, the more use we're going to get to these things and um let's be honest generally it's a really good thing that everyone is really looking after their own health because we get ill so much on tour i can't even tell you how many times i had the flu or really bad chest infection when we were touring and you just go out and and play a show with the fever which is not really healthy for you isn't it
0: (laughs) yeah and that's something i didn't even think about yeah so in the past i mean that was something you just fought through but now there's going to be so many precautions that you're going to know anything ahead of time is there a fear though and that's the thing that i from from a touring band like canceling shows affect obviously financially the band a lot um but is that something that you have to take into account is going to happen going forward when you do book tours that some shows unfortunately are going to get canceled
3: yeah i think everyone needs to keep that in mind Mm. um I know um, there was a tour happening in, in Europe and there was a tour with the with band called Nasty, which are pretty big in, in, in Europe, in the UK, and they had to cut their tour short because of coronavirus restrictions. And obviously, I think especially touring during winter time, I think this is going to be really challenging because that's when cases go up. That's when... Uh, rules change so I think everyone needs to be really really flexible at the moment and um, I think international touring is still going to be quite difficult
0: yes I agree with that man I'm in Las Vegas out here in the states and and yes uh there's a couple bands that have done the international thing but I feel like it's going to be tougher and tougher in the next few years until we we get to this new normal like you said um so it's just there's this gratefulness you know when I when I of all the bands I got to see when they came through my town, and uh, just excitement for when it gets back to it. Now to go back to the record, and I want everybody to know one more time: Aerobus is, is out coming out February fourth, guys. So make sure you're pre annoyed. the new record from Venom Prison. We talked about how the recording happened, um, and it, it took a little while to get to used to, but you had the more time, so that obviously made these songs pop, man. The record's fantastic. The first video you did, Judges of the Underworld, in essence, there's a there's the intro Born from Chaos, and it's the first track kind of the record. It's a great song. Tell us about the concept behind this video when you guys went in to make it.
3: Um yeah, so the song is about incarceration. It's about mass incarceration, and how people who are born into a certain status, um, into people who are born into poverty, people who are born into uh, different um, ethnicities and other situations, uh, how they are being cheated by uh, the prison systems, how they are not just perpetrators. They're also victims of violence, and they go through the cycle of violence uh, over and over again. When they, um, right from birth up until um, they die, basically, and for many people there's no escape, and we really wanted to to show this isolating uh, desperation that these people um, have to go through on a on a daily basis, and it's really heartbreaking. So uh, for us, judges of the underworld was. Um, a really great way to to show um, pain and anger and desperation in a way that is not gory. So we wanted everything to be clean. We wanted everything to be um, uh, the way that it appeared. So we really wanted to get that isolating feeling through.
0: Yes, no, it, you captured it completely, and it's a great uh, th- you know theme. Because um, I think a lot of people forget that there is a li- there's limitations to everyone's life, I think in a lot of ways, but when you are born in poverty, the limitations become almost a, a a part of it, like where you can't reach a certain level because of so many factors in the way. What are your thoughts on how i don 't know people in general can make it better for those that don't have these opportunities? I think
3: what we need to do as a society is offer help and offer support to those people instead of criminalizing them. Um, Offer them support systems, make sure that they're being looked after, um, that any addictions are being taken care of so that they have a chance in life, you know, being more compassionate as a society.
0: I agree completely, and I do think that you brought up a great point about addiction. Um, Addiction is something that is uh, like where I'm from; we're not a sober society. It's something that we promote, you know, as being a happy life, you know. And I think that's similar, if I may, in a lot of parts of the world. Um, And then you see the ugly parts of it, and it's it's gone. And I'm not talking about hard drugs. I guess I'm talking about social stuff. But those mm. those always catch people and, and, and put them in, in dire situations, especially in poverty-stricken areas. Um, do you think the messaging and marketing that we're doing um, as a culture needs to change completely in order to maybe uh, start somewhere in helping uh, the situation?
3: Oh, absolutely. I think... Um I think, especially in the US, it's mm-hmm. it's being promoted in a very different way. Where here in the UK and in in the European Union, uh, you don't really get to see that much promotion for for you know like social drugs and things like that. It's uh, definitely being marketed a little bit differently in in America, and um, but it's still like a global problem. Um, I think what we mainly need to look at is offering support to young families, support to children, so they just get a better chance and maybe a better understanding of um, of drugs and addictions from a very early age on.
0: Completely agree, yeah. And that's something I bring up. I think the, the family structure is vital for for people to, to have a, a an identity, you know, in a lot of ways. Um, and a lot of times, broken homes, there's more challenges when it's a, a broken home in like a poverty-stricken area. You know, I think that it's very difficult um, for kids. I have no idea um, how, how you can even see the light at the end of the tunnel in some of these situations. And you're right, it's all about the compassion that we have to do. So that's a great topic, a great theme to talk about in a record. Um, tell me some other themes or some other tracks um, that you had, some themes that you really needed to discuss lyrically on this record.
3: Um, some, some of the songs deal with um, immigration politics and incarceration for immigration purposes as well. And I think especially... Uh, this year and last year, both in Europe and America, it's it's been um, an absolute massive um, point that we really need to look at and just seeing the fact how families are being torn apart just because they are looking for a better future for their families and the way that people are being treated um, as if they were criminals when they're just really hoping for a new chance in life. It's, it's very heartbreaking
0: I completely agree, and I think that that is a lot of the blame can go to our political leaders on that. Uh, the messaging that they do um, when it comes to that is that there's more criminals coming at least from where I'm at in opposed to the 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 probably truth behind that. How do you think we can change the rhetoric from uh, the leaders above us so we can kind of see a different uh, viewpoint on exactly what you're talking about with the immigration policies.
3: Yeah, I think uh, what our leaders fear the most is the economic um, side of, of this. Everyone thinks that people are coming here to to take other people's money, which is not really the case. People come here because they have family here. They want to reconnect with their family. They, they are just running for their life, especially um, here in in, in in Europe at the moment, people are fleeing like war zones. They are looking for a safe place to raise their children and to being able to support their families. And what is happening is that these people are just being completely pushed aside and forgotten about. Um, yesterday, there was a boat here in the UK that was trying to cross the channel from France to, to England. And... Um, I think 27 people um, drowned at sea, and everyone is just trying to to push the blame onto each other. The UK says, oh, it's France's problem, France says it's the UK's problem, and instead of working against each other in this way, I think governments need to work together to establish um, a system where they can help people. Because it is our responsibility because we are the nations that start conflicts or get involved in conflicts and um, are forcing people to leave their homes.
0: And that's a it's a great point you brought up because um, truthfully, that's something that we're taught as well is that who's to blame mentality when in actuality, when a situation occurs, it's like, how do we fix it and not do it again? It doesn't seem to, to pan out that way. And we get that from the powerful people, the leaders, Um, is that mentality? I can tell you from myself that mentality does hit me where I'm like, well, I didn't do it. It's somebody else's fault. Do you find yourself in that situation as well? Or is there more of a, I guess, a responsible approach that we can take as people towards things like this?
3: I guess we all can say that we have not directly um, like, Taken decisions that were led to people needing to 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 become refugees and to flee their homes, you know. But um, it's our governments that have, and we are responsible for voting for our governments and for and um, and they just make the policies that that they are making. So I think our responsibility as uh, citizens is to to. Put pressure onto these governments and to show them that we are welcoming of these people, we are welcoming of people who are looking for just a life, being able to live, you know. And um, I can understand that some people are scared, anxious, and that xenophobia comes into place, but um, we. It's our responsibility because we have basically started these things, especially here in europe with with syria in and, and and the Middle eastern countries uh, that are basically looking for um, refuge, you know
0: yeah, the human first mentality uh opposed to policies and the what ifs I think is something that we should all think about you know but it's it's not something we're seeing or or um our leaders are taking into account but yeah human first is like borders flags all that stuff religions even these are man-made things but human beings we can all connect on some level and if we're in a situation to help somebody i agree i think that that should always be considered before um the policies or the what-ifs or the one case of someone that does something wrong which is always what seems to be the headline where i'm at unfortunately so i i fantastic themes i love it everybody one more time aerobos is coming out february 4th the latest from venom prison Um, i'm glad i get to interview you celebrate this record fantastic record one thing that stood out to me and i don't have the physical copy but the artwork on the record is haunting to say the least tell me the story behind this piece and how you guys got it to be the cover on this album
3: so um we it's I think it's the th- third or fourth time we're working with Eloran, who um is the person who made the art for the album, and uh, we've become really good friends with him so when when we talk to him about the concept, what I usually do is I send him lyrics, I tell him what the songs are about and what I feel about them. And then Eloran comes back with a concept. And it was um, the same uh, this time around. And Eloran is uh, from Israel. His grandfather or his grandparents have uh, survived the Holocaust. And um, I think the most striking element for Eloran was the fact that a young person or a person just goes through so much trauma and violence and through so much hate that they they died on the inside and they are being reborn as like a different human because they've experienced all of these things. And um, this is basically what the artwork is showing. It's just showing the horror and the moment where a young person dies inside to be reborn from chaos.
0: it's striking but that is a that's beautiful and that looking at it as i'm talking to you that's something um and that's something that's real for a lot of us and and it's good to to put that out there is that you're right there is a element of us on the inside that has to start over at a certain point because of of, of what's brought to our world man that's crazy now last question i want to ask you everybody one more time aerobus is coming out february 4th make sure you're pre-ordering it on the record. We got uh, a lot of songs that are about themes, topics, but which one on this record is the most personal track for you?
3: The most personal track would be Pain of Oises," and this is going to be our next single. Um, it's If you've listened to the album, you know it, it's very different. It's not something we've ever done before. It's very personal, the fact that I feel really exposed, or I felt really exposed when I was recording the track. Um, it's uh, the lyrics are very emotional. It's about coming to terms with my uh, mental health condition, with my depression, and the fact that I suffer from PTSD from previous um, sexual abuse, and accepting that this is all part of me, and that learning to coexist with this feeling because I there's just I do not want to lose my life over something that has affected me in such a way. I, I feel like I want to overcome things. So this is the most personal track that I've probably ever written for Venom Prison and um, the fact that there is a lot of clean singing and i even cried when we were recording this song because it was so difficult for me to just bring in the emotions the way that i wanted them to be brought in by myself and um it's it's my it's my favorite track and it's our my personal track as
0: well wow that's touching that's that's beautiful and a lot of people out there are going to feel the same thing and and uh, it is the standout track for me, as well as you know, track six, which follows it up. There's, you guys did a really good sequencing job of the the changes that you did for the song, but that's great, and that's that's what healing's about is putting it out there, and you're gonna get all the positivity and everything like that. So that's that's a beautiful thing, and and it's a great thing to to be a part of this record. Another reason everybody needs to pre-order it, guys. Aerobus is coming out February 4th. Make sure you're pre-ordering it. Fantastic record. I gotta tell you. I I think I'm very lucky to have talked to you and to get to promote this record because it's going to be a special one for a lot of us heavy metal fans. So with that, I want to thank you so much, Larissa, for calling in to the Metal Sucks podcast.
3: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
1: I cycle Oh, so so to sucks podcast
0: Right, guys and we are back first song you heard is off the latest record from venom prison uh, Erebus, aerobus which is coming out february 4th that track is judges of the underworld second song is off the same record pain of oasis make sure you guys are pre-ordering or picking up the latest from venom prison aerobus guys it's coming out february 4th fantastic record i was lucky enough to have it all through this break and listen to it i can't wait till you guys get your hands on it and that i get a chance to promote it with that, we want to thank everybody out there as we jump into the new year here on the Metal Sucks podcast for the five-star reviews that we uh, keep getting on the Apple iTunes. That is all we ask for as a podcast team, man. If you guys take the time to listen, enjoy the hard work we put out, our fans know how often we miss programs, no matter what the situation is in the world, and, and we always make it work for you guys, or how often uh, I don't get that interview captured for you guys. Always thinking ahead. Please, if you got the time, go to Apple iTunes. Hit that five-star reviews for us. No words, no comments needed. If you want to, go ahead, but 5 stars, is all we ask for. And also, we want to thank everybody for all the support we've gotten on our other podcast, Rise to Offend. That is a documentary discussion podcast that we've done for a long time. Um, we've done over 100 episodes, and now we're doing maybe one episode every other month because of just time frames and stuff like that. I just got an email, someone asking us to do Dave Mustaine. Oh, man. I want to. I just need to tackle. That's a big one. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot there. F- fingers crossed, guys. we got a couple episodes that we're working on right now for Rise to Offend. But if you guys are interested, we did Phil Anselmo, Have we talked about earlier. We did Peter Steele. We've done Charles Bukowski. We've done Ann Coulter for the political side in America. We've done Steve Biko. Man, Chuck Schuldiner was the last one we did months ago and, and one I'm really proud of. And then one of my favorites of all time is always going to be John O'Brien, the guy that wrote Leaving Las Vegas. We did a two-hour episode on him. Make sure you guys are checking out Rise to a if you hadn't. And until then, positive vibes, positive thoughts. Welcome back. Happy New Year to all our friends out there. Until next week.
1: The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off.